You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It's Monday, June 12th, and joining me today, as always on a Monday, is Chris. How's it going today, Chris? Doing well, my friend. My friend, how you doing? I'm not too bad, not too bad. You know, um, it's the quiet time of the year when it comes to 49ers and football content in general. You know, there's there's little news around here. Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, what's going to happen with them? But as far as the 49ers go, it's pretty quiet right now. And I don't mind that, you know? I, I really don't. I feel like there's some good topics that we can touch on with the 49ers without, you know, necessarily having to create, you know, topics um, in a way. And what I want to do in the time between 49ers mandatory mini camp, which as we know, happened last week, it ended last week to uh, training camp, which will happen at the end of next month or towards the end of next month. I just want to go through the 49ers position groups and, just talk about some of the questions that we have, what's going to happen, uh, you know, this offseason leading up to the season and whatnot. And so I want to start talking about the running backs, state of the 49ers running backs, right? As we know, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he's a head honcho, as he should be. Yep. Maybe the entire NFL, right? I, I still can't believe he's on the Niners. Someone pinch me. But uh I think this is a this is a great topic because there are some question marks, you know. There's there's some reports uh, both about you know Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason. We've been hearing that can eh, it's a little interesting. Can we see some movement aside from Christian McCaffrey? And I don't know, you know, by movement you can mean like could there be a trade at some point with uh you know, Elijah Mitchell or TDP or one of those guys get dropped or, you know, or are we just looking at a guy like Jordan Mason leapfrogging uh, Elijah Mitchell on the depth chart? That could also be the movement we're talking about, but we're going to talk about pretty much all the scenarios today. And so, of course, we're going to start with Christian McCaffrey because he's a little hanging fruit, man. I could talk about Christian McCaffrey forever. He, of course, last season was traded to the 49ers midseason. He played his first six games with Carolina, 11 with San Francisco. That is including playoffs. And his yards per reception increased from 8.4 to 8.9 after joining the 49ers. So a slight increase there in uh, his receptions and also his reception percentage increased from 80.5 to 85.2 than with the 49ers. So I feel like that's a probably result of Shanahan maybe scheming things up a little bit better for McCaffrey than, you know, when he was in Carolina. And, you know, of course, McCaffrey not having to do it all on his own, like not having to bear the, I guess, pressure of carrying the team and the defense, you know, responding to that. Uh, He now plays with a better supporting cast. So there's those times where you see McCaffrey open for a check down almost always just because the defense has to account for other guys on the field too. So yeah, I think uh, obviously we saw Christian McCaffrey do a lot of things with the 49ers last season. We saw several offensive categories 
get a boost uh, after the Christian McCaffrey trade for the 49ers. And so I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, what are the expectations for CMC in a full season with this, with this team? Yeah, so with the with the complete offseason and, you know, early returns have been that Christian McCaffrey's been out there, you know, working hard, being a leader, breaking down practices at the end and everything like that. He's completely ingratiated himself with the roster, I think, and obviously with the coaching staff and such. So I expect big things from Christian McCaffrey this upcoming season. I think in addition to just Kyle Shanahan's scheme being what it is, I think that there's a familiarity that Kyle Shanahan also is growing or accumulating, if you will, as time has gone on after that midseason trade and then a couple more extra games, obviously, in the playoffs. So I think Shanahan's going to be cooking stuff up, obviously, to identify ways to unleash him differently or maybe even similar to how he did last year. So I I have a lot of uh, high expectations. I'll be interested to see in the passing game if that translates. Uh, He was a focal point of that aspect of the passing game last year. And not that, you know, Shanahan would look to take the ball out of Christian's hands going through the air, but maybe the threat of him being out there may be more impactful than him actually getting the ball in some respects, especially considering the the emergence of uh, Brandon Ayuk, who I think has always been good, but he had his, you know, strong season last year. Of course, you've got Debo already saying that he feels as though he didn't have a good season last year. So he'll be looking to have a, have a bounce back year in his, in his terms, so that being said, it may result in, and of course, there's always George Kittle. It may result maybe in a few more catches. I mean, a few less catches uh, for for Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, I, you know, it remains to be seen. We'll see what that looks like. But uh, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking that he'll probably build upon what he did last year. I'm trying to remember. He wasn't. He wasn't a Pro Bowl. I think he was a Pro. I think he initially didn't make the Pro Bowl last year. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I see him for sure making the Pro Bowl this year after a full season of Shanahan's offense. Yeah, I'm going to take it a step further because, you know, quite honestly, the Pro Bowl is more so a popularity contest. Yeah. And yeah, I I feel like, yes, Christian McCaffrey should have been voted to that regardless of, you know, him switching teams midseason. Um, but I'm going to take it a step further. Bearing any injury for Christian McCaffrey, I'd expect him to have an offensive player of the year type of year. And like for most to say that about most players, I think like that would be a bold prediction. I don't even think that's a bold prediction when it comes to a player like Christian McCaffrey. I feel like he is so talented um, that he should always be in consideration or he he always has a skill set to at least be a consideration for OPOY, but now being on the 49ers where, you know, he's used the way that he is and he can put up numbers because he isn't the only guy making things happen on the offense. I, I think he's going to have the numbers to make a strong, strong case for offensive player of the year and it would be great I mean in 11 games with the 49ers last season and this of course is including the playoffs uh, McCaffrey totaled 1,210 all-purpose yards and also totaled 10 total touchdowns to be able to do that in 11 games and you look at what he could possibly do then in 16 of, of course like as I said bearing any injury right um, that's still very impressive you look at that many all-purpose yards and you maybe put that in a span of 16 games and you know you're probably getting to the 2000s right so 
don't ask me to do math, but I'm just I'm just assuming I'm rounding up probably. Um, but yeah, that that's what I'm expecting. And with all of the reports that we're hearing of Christian McCaffrey just you know taking the reins in this running back group and not just the running back group, but I feel he's setting a great example for everyone on this team to, you know, come in even in, in the off season, even in OTAs, mini camp and, you know, go gung ho and, you know, do full effort. Every single practice I think is, is a great example. And Christian McCaffrey uh, told reporters at some point last week, I'm just trying to learn as much as possible. It's nice to be able to start from square one and getting right with Coach Turner. It's Bobby Turner, of course, and making sure it's not just learning the plays, but learning every single detail of the positions. So having a full offseason to grasp this offense, I think sky's the limit for <laughs> for Christian, you know? Like I I think if he's going that in depth to not only understanding what his job is as a running back, but everyone else's, you know, as he said, he's trying to learn every single detail of the positions. I mean, I, I think I can only expect real great things for, for McCaffrey in 2023. I'd be surprised if he wasn't, you know, voted by the players as being a captain, even this upcoming season, maybe we'll do a, have a conversation or something. We can talk about that obviously offline, but like, um, about maybe, you know, identifying who captains could be for the upcoming season later on this summer. But, um, yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is really solidifying himself as being the leader, and he made a lot happen um, for this team. Um, one of the metrics that you were mentioning um, or made allusion to earlier was even our points per game. Points per game went up after that trade as well. Margin of victory also. Just to your point, just the way that the defenses are being stressed, you know, as you talked about earlier, with the uh, additional cast, supporting cast that, you know, exists in San Francisco in comparison to where he's in Carolina. So, yeah, I think, you know, you made a good point. I think sky is the, li- sky is the limit for for him. I still, I still would think that, like, I don't know, I think his sweet spot, I would like for his sweet spot to be, like, 17, 18, like 20 touches a game from a, a running back standpoint, um, you know, maybe get some more in the passing game. Uh, just to keep some of the miles off of him, which I know we're going to talk about the rest of the room coming up. But I think that to, to you know, preserve his body for what ultimately is hopefully a long playoff run. Yeah, it, exactly. And you can say that the 49ers maybe even got lucky, you know, last season with him being able to stay, you know, healthy, healthy enough to be available for games in the time that he was with San Francisco last year, right? The the 11 games that we spoke about. But, of course, you do want to protect that investment to an extent. You also want to use that investment because you did give up a lot to, to acquire him. But you do also want to protect him, and that's where some of the other running backs on this team come along. I mean, let's talk first about Elijah Mitchell, who, you know, pre-Christian McCaffrey, he did have an incredible rookie season with the 49ers. You look at his stats – and it's kind of hard to believe that we're even having this conversation about Mitchell today, like possibly, you know, being in competition for RB2 because he put up RB1 numbers in his rookie Most season, definitely. 963 rushing yards. That was a, a franchise record for a rookie uh, running back. But even in his rookie season, he played just 11 games. Uh, so that right there highlights. I guess it was a precursor to 
his second year where he only played five games or he was only available for five games, that's an issue, right? And that not only is an issue, but it's a trend. And I guess you could say because it's a trend, it's, it's an issue. He had uh, six attempts before getting hurt in week one of last year. He had seven attempts before getting hurt in week 12 last year. So Elijah Mitchell's first injury that kept him out several weeks is probably at least part of the reason I think that the 49ers needed to make that splash trade for McCaffrey and because they needed a run game, you know, really bad. They, they knew probably that they weren't going to be able to get to where they wanted to go without a run game and without someone who maybe is a little more reliable. Um, So we did get to see Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey together in just three games last season. And to me, I felt like they worked pretty well together in in tandem. It it looked like a pretty good one-two punch and Mitchell could spell McCaffrey pretty effectively. For example, in the week 10 game, uh, versus the Chargers, Mitchell handled 18 carries. If your RB2 can do that, I mean, that's pretty valuable, right? But again, the bottom line with Mitchell has been that he can't stay on the field. He can't do this consistently. And so if you are trying to get Mitchell, you know, 18 carries, is that too much? Is his body going to wear down? So that then puts in question, is he the right, like, RB2 for this team, right? Um, and I feel like that's just that's just where we are right now. And he did miss some of mandatory mini, or he missed mandatory mini camp. And I think part of OTA is with an undisclosed injury. It's considered minor, but again, we don't know what it is. And the season hasn't even started yet. He's already hurt again. That doesn't give me much confidence that something has suddenly changed with Mitchell's. Uh, you know, unreliability from the health standpoint. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell. So, you know, we were talking about this <clears throat> before we started the show. And certainly for well, for one, going back to his rookie year, right? It's a shame that he only had played those 11 games. Shanahan hasn't had a thousand thousand dollars. He has, has a lot more than a thousand dollars. Shanahan hasn't had a thousand yard rusher um in his time in San Francisco. And had Mitchell even played one, two, definitely three more games, he'd have definitely crushed that thousand yard mark. So that would have been a great milestone for him to, you know, to achieve. I think rookie year he had like, you know, rib issues and he had a finger, a shoulder, like he was just beat up or whatever. Throw him a little bit of bail on the injury in Chicago. I mean, you know, making that cut back and then someone diving into his knee. I mean, there's not much you can do there from a, MCL standpoint, I think that took him out like at least eight games or something like that, eight or nine games. So that that took out a you know half of the season, you know, to your point, four carries into the year. So I, I really think that um time time moves fast, right? In the NFL. As you mentioned, it's hard to even believe that we're talking about him potentially falling down the depth chart when you know he's had such good, such success thus far in his career, well, his rookie season, and then you know, um, when he's in, you know, doing well, as you mentioned, in highlight the Chargers game. It's crazy because you may have the stats, um, Steph, but I think I heard I recently heard, I believe that when Elijah Mitchell is in there, he has like the highest like yards per carry of any running back since Shanahan has been in San Francisco. Um, he's productive, like he, he can ball, you know what I mean? Uh it's just a shame that he can't stay healthy. And as a result of that, he may potentially uh, you know, have to, you know, 
you know, go fall back to, you know, running back three position as opposed to being the backup, the primary backup to uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, yeah. I mean, another frustration that I had, you know, is now granted the game went the way it went. Brock got hurt. Um, then Josh Johnson got hurt. But, you know, he had the he had a pretty decent game against Seattle in the divisional round. And then we heard that, you know, the week leading up to the NC championship game, he was missing some practice. You know, I was hoping it was just him being banged up or getting some rest or something. Then he wasn't even a go, right? He wasn't even a go for the NC championship. And so your point is he's injured again. So, you know, I, I'm really concerned in that standpoint as it relates to really a weapon such because I would consider him to be a weapon. I think a healthy Mitchell and healthy McCaffrey is a devastating backfield, in my opinion. If he doesn't get, you know, you know, healthy, you know, if he doesn't have the opportunity to really go out there and show what he can do, he definitely, I believe, will lose that position. Yeah. And, and going back to some of the injuries that he suffered, you know, in the time that he's been in the league, September 2021 suffered that sh- shoulder injury. November 2021 suffered a rib injury week after that or a few days after that suffered a finger fracture uh, in the week 10 game against the Rams. Uh, December 5th had a concussion that can happen to anyone. December 8th, he had some near knee irritation in addition to the concussion uh, in that week 14 game. And he missed three games because that August 12th, 2022. Now he missed a couple weeks of practice with uh, hamstring pull, uh, and then in September, in which we're, at this point we're kind of getting close to where we're at now uh, in this point of this year, uh, where we're hearing that he's having a, he has an undisclosed injury. Uh, but September 2022 is when he suffered the MCL sprain in week one, and then again November 27th, another MCL sprain, um, which kept them out the rest of the year. So. It's just uh, it's an unkind pattern that uh, has been going on with Mitchell. And of course, like you, when it comes to players who deal with injuries like this a lot and they just can't seem to stay healthy, you you want them to turn it around and you look at the offseason as an opportunity to do that, because usually you're not really going to once you're banged up like that, not really going to correct that in season. Right. Usually you need the offseason kind of reset but with the fact that we're already hearing that he has uh, an injury again like I'm just not I'm not confident that he can stay on the field and that really that really worries me and and to your question about or to your point about uh his efficiency he is very efficient in 2021 his rookie season he had 4.7 yard per carry average last season of course a very small sample size 45 carries but he had a 6.2 average then so he's he's a great runner like we can't we can't argue with the fact that he's a great running back he just has the issue of staying on the field meanwhile his uh counterpart Jordan Mason all with while all that's going on with Mitchell like Mason has reportedly stood out this offseason with his extra opportunities and he's gotten those extra opportunities because Mitchell is out again so um, on his 43 rushing attempts last season, Mason maintained a six yards per carry average. So he's also a very efficient runner, a different style of runner, I'd say, than Elijah Mitchell, of course, but still very effective and, uh, you know, can get yards after contact. He didn't have a ton of opportunities last year, as, as you know, highlighted by 
just the 43 rushing attempts. But, you know, when he did play, he proved that he can be special. And I, I think I'm very, very intrigued by Jordan Mason. I think we all are ever since what we saw in training camp last year, what we saw in preseason. I mean, I think there's a lot of buzz around Jordan Mason and for good reason. Like sometimes, <laughs> you know, us fans, we get we get really uh, hung up on certain players and we get really excited. And sometimes those players don't really amount to anything. But I, I feel that's different with Jordan Mason. There's something there. Um, and the reason why I think it's important to maybe consider that Mason could climb up the depth chart is because of what Anthony Lynn said on the CMC effect. And we talked about this a few episodes ago and I'll, I'll just repeat the quote. He said, quote, you don't want to have two offenses. You don't want to have Christian come out for a water break and have the next guy come in and have to call different plays. So our guys have to have had to evolve and do more in the passing game End quote. And so who has the edge as a pass catcher? Because I think ultimately that maybe that could be what it comes down to Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason. I mean, Elijah Mitchell only had three targets for seven total receiving yards in the five games he played last season in 2021, his rookie season, when he was more or less like the the lead back uh, most of that time. Through his 11 games he played, he had 20 targets, so you know, a decent amount. I wouldn't put him on the McCaffrey level, but he's he's handled some some carries here and there. Yeah, no, I agree. Really, if we're being honest, I mean, availability is going to probably be the key thing between the two of them. <laughs> and then and then maybe one one B will be their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. And, you know, and another thing is much like how what Brock Purdy has put on tape, you know, is, you know, giving him the spot of being like the leader in the clubhouse, has, as Shanahan and Lynch have said thus far. I also think that um, Jordan Mason has put some decent stuff on tape as well in Elijah Mitchell's absence last year. And I think that maybe Shanahan relied on him a little bit less than he would have otherwise because they had Christian McCaffrey and because Elijah, I'm sorry, uh, Jordan Mason was a, um, was a rookie, but yeah, he was in that closer role um, for, for a few different games there to kind of seal the deal um, with the lead and such. I think he runs with power. I think I saw some reports that he's kind of like, slimmed down a little bit um, to work on his, uh, you know, speed and his agility and everything like that. And he's been working on catching the ball out of the backfield. So, you know, some of the reports that I've seen coming out of the um, mini camp and uh, OTAs was that he was looking good. He was looking good catching the ball out of the backfield and everything. So simply, you know, the availability aspect, conceivably the fact that he's going to build upon the rookie year that he had last year, I only expect him to get better. And, and it, it could be argued that even in good health, that potentially Jordan Mason might be the guy um, that is uh, in that RB2 position, even if Elijah Mitchell is healthy. Yeah, I, I definitely think there'll be an argument for that, just given Jordan Mason just feels like he's on an ascension. And, you know, going back to the topic of, you know, him catching out of the backfield. Jordan Mason didn't have any targets out of the yeah. backfield last season. It simply wasn't his role. But again, reports out of OTAs and minicamp is that he looks like a natural pass catcher. Matt Barrows of the Athletic wrote a bit about Mason in his recent article. Mason said, quote, people think I learned how to catch out of the blue, but I've always been able to do it. I was just never utilized that way. 
his size has always led himself to being more of a bruiser downhill runner a closer you know but if he continues to show that this is something he can do well um through training camp i think it's going to be tough to keep him out of the backfield and and give him an expanded role and i think there's there's precedent for it too even kind of wrong with the three-headed monster right like in 19 mm-hmm. there was matt bria raheem moster and tevin coleman even that were all getting some love you know um even though i think Tevin Coleman was the primary starter. You know, he wasn't always the one leading in carries by the end of the game. So, you know, I think that could be quite a dynamic backfield. The three of them could be healthy for, you know, the majority of the season. Obviously, that's the best case scenario. But um, even so, I think that really, ideally, what that really does, beyond just giving the, um, the offense different looks and the defense different things to worry about and game plan for, I think it also really, really helps probably what the primary um, – you know, goal and objective is, and that's to keep Christian McCaffrey uh, fresh, right? So it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious to see how training camp goes and how things are looking. Yeah. Um, Because it's ar- arguably, I mean, training camp's in, what, 39 days or something like that. Well, Elijah Mitchell may be fine. You know, he may be fine and healthy and totally cool by then and have a good training camp. But regardless, I'm really curious to see because I kind of I, – I feel like we kind of know what Elijah Mitchell is, even though he can't – not to say he can't get better – but I really want to see how Jordan Mason is looking, having, you know, taken that kind of step going into his second year. Yeah, I agree. I think like altogether, the question that needs to be answered by the coaches is, and this should help them make their decision. Is there anything that Elijah Mitchell can do that Jordan Mason can't? Right. And so we'll, we'll see. I think we've maybe seen some glimpses. Like I, I might, say and maybe we don't have a large enough sample size to say this too confidently quite yet but I'm I'm leaning towards saying that Jordan Mason one he could stay he'll probably stay healthier (laughs) although the Jordan Mason also hasn't handled that many carries in the NFL yet so that's to be seen but I think also you can argue that Jordan Mason could probably be a better pass catcher than Elijah Mitchell but again those are things that need to be seen in training camp, need to be seen in a preseason to really know for certain. Let's talk about uh, another guy in this backfield that, you know, we're really trying to still figure out what, what role, you know, Ty Davis price is going to have on this team. He appeared in six games last season. One of those was against Atlanta in which he only played one snap. So if you want to say that he only played five in five games, that's, I think you could say that too. Um, but on his 34 attempts last season, he finished with a 2.9 yards per carry average. Not great. Um, you know, so kind of opposite of Jordan Mason, who has done a lot with his opportunities. Ty Davis price has had some opportunities, but just has underperformed in that time. Um, he had two targets versus the Chiefs in week seven, but did not catch either of those. So I I kind of wonder, I don't know what to expect out of TDP. I kind of wonder if he's an odd man now, or do, do the 49ers still see some potential in him? I think training camp will answer that, but also I think it's important for him to prove his worth on this roster. He has to prove that he has value to to this team and one way to do that as i've mentioned before is 
finding a place on special teams. Like if you're going to be fourth on the depth chart, you got to do something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to play special teams if you want. I mean, he probably wouldn't be active on game days if the 49ers choose to keep CMC, Elijah Mitchell, and Jordan Mason, and those guys are active on game days, you know, TDP is probably on the outside looking in, inactive. Um, of course, unless he he proves to, to look better in training camp and if he, you know, shows that he can play some special teams too. Absolutely. So real quick before I tra- uh, transition to TDP, so you were kind of mentioning um, in your final comments about Mason and Mitchell – about, you know, potentially the, the differentiating factor might be like what one can do that the other can't. And one thing I do realize is that, or that I believe is that uh, Elijah Mitchell has that home run ability. I mean, coming out, he was like, then clocked at 4.3 in the 40 and Mason's like about four five eight. So that could be potentially, you know, uh, a differentiating factor. But again, like I said, I know that, you know, Mason's been working on his body to try to get more agile and so on. So that could be something that could influence, you know, where where one is over the other potentially coming out of training camp. But, you know, Ty Davis Price, that's, you know, going back to what I was mentioning earlier about Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, just because we haven't we didn't see him get too much run last year um, is interesting. I'm not sure what to think of him. People love him, though. I, I'm maybe loving is a, is a strong word, but. People have, a, a, you know, a lot of the beat writers that, you know, I'll follow or, you know, even some of the other podcasters who make it out to like training camp and so on speak highly of Ty Davis Price. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I haven't personally seen that. Um, I think that, you know, when he had the, the few times that we did see him in the games, I wasn't sure that he was seeing the field very well. But I could say that same thing about Elijah Mitchell when he his rookie year, right, when early in the season after Raheem Mostert went down, I didn't think that Elijah Mitchell was necessarily seeing the, the field very well. But as the season went on, he got better at that in his vision. So it may be a, a circumstance of um, TDP needing to get some more um, reps, more time in the system, practice, watching tape, you know, working with the coaching staff, so on, learning from other players, and so on and so forth in that regard. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. I could see... I don't know that TDP will be on the outside looking in, but to your point, if he is able to solidify a special teams role, that would be uh, that will probably be in his benefit to be able to stick. But I do know that there are some other running backs as well that we've uh, that we have on, in the, in that room as well. Also, that might be challenging for him in regard to sticking to the fifty three. Yeah, and, and those guys are Kalen Laborn and Ronald Awad. Um, both guys were undrafted free agents as of right now, you know, I'm not, I'm not considering them a threat to Ty Davis price. I think Davis Price's only threat is himself, right? (laughs) Like if he doesn't show up in, in training camp, like the 49ers need him to, then, um, I think that that'll be an issue. But other than that, like if he can at least be, you know, I think decent. I think he's going to be on this roster unless, you know, Laybourne or Awad have a Jordan Mason type of training camp and, you know, just look amazing, which we've seen it happen, right? We we've seen undrafted free agents, you know, turn some heads in, in training camp in the preseason. So it could definitely happen. But as of right now, I'm not really considering those guys as, as being threats. I think those guys will probably most likely stick to the practice squad 
just based on them being undrafted free agents. I know Mayogo has also said like he he doesn't see any of the undrafted free agents making the fifty three. So I'm I'm just kind of gonna go based off of that. We can definitely see those guys make it to the um, practice squad, and so I think right now we're we're looking at Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason, and TDP being on this fifty three, and I think. That's a solid group of guys, you know, um, and you, yes, you're going to need some guys on the practice squad too, just in case any of those guys get hurt, you want to bring them up. But I know I've mentioned a lot, oh, Elijah Mitchell, he could be a trade candidate, but I don't know. Like, I don't think they necessarily need to do that, but at the same time, I, if, uh, if he continues to struggle with injury, I think I'd rather just have Jordan Mason be, you know, the RB2. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. At this point today, I would rather, you know, uh, Elijah Mitchell fall down the depth chart as opposed to, you know, him being moved. I Really, actually, as opposed to him being cut. Like, the only yeah. circumstance in which, you know, if we're getting if – we're, if we're putting him in a trade package for somebody – I mean, I saw a report today. Not sure how you feel about this stuff, but I saw a report today about uh, you know the Niners being one of the um, uh, perceived landing spots for Chase Young if he's you know included in a trade package. You know, going to a team leaving Washington, the receiving team only has to pay like five point three two million dollars of his salary next year. So, for instance, like you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to kicking the tires on Chase Young, but. At any rate, if he's included in a trade package, you know, for somebody, I can understand that. But, you know, other than that, like, I wouldn't want to see Elijah Mitchell get um get cut outright or, or released. Um, You know, I think it's notable that, you know, uh, there have been other players on the Niners who have had injury concerns, not concerns, but issues earlier in their career, notably like Eric Armstead. Um yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, Jimmy Ward, Jimmy Ward yeah. early in his career had, had injury issues. And I'm not saying that, you know, you know, uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to, you know, you know, be a pro bowl player like those guys were, but I, I still feel that with him, it's not so much scheme. It's not fit. Like it was with uh, Trey Sermon, right. um, for instance, yeah. um, when he's in there, he's productive. Um, you know, whether it's a matter of learning how to take care of his body better or, you know, really getting some help outside the building from a conditioning standpoint. Um, I really believe that, you know, when he is able to go, you know, he's on point. So I, I would hate to give up on him just yet. But if we go through, if we go into this, you know, season and he sticks to the 53, which I'm thinking he will, um, and he still has um, injury issues and such, then at that point, you're looking at what? This is his third year. At that point, you may, you may have to move on, especially if, Jordan Mason is emerging as, as it looks like he is. And especially if tight of his price takes hold, for instance, and he's yeah. a solid, you know, uh, three at that point, if they were to move on from Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, definitely some decisions to be made, but of course, luckily the most important uh, decision is who's going to be RB two, who's going to be RB one yeah. that is already solidified, written in Sharpie and it's Christian McCaffrey. So I'm, I'm glad we don't have to worry about that. And I'm also glad that, yeah, I mean, it's possible that this team goes to a three-headed rushing attack and they go committee. But I think we also know that even if they went committee, it's not going to be a even split 
for all those guys, it's going to be the Christian McCaffrey show. Yep. And then whoever, you know, can be RB2 and, you know, could pick up some of that slack. If whoever that is, whether it's Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell, uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to training camp and to seeing how these guys do, you know, again, can can Elijah stay healthy? That's one thing to keep an eye on throughout training camp. Can Jordan Mason keep up what he's shown so far in, in minicamp and OTAs? Uh, you know, those are some of the things that I think we can continue to look to. And then, of course, Ty Davis Price. Can can he look like a guy in, in this sure. team? Could he make the 53? Does he deserve to be on the 53? I think uh, all those questions are going to be answered, um, you know, before the season begins. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it's a pretty solid group of guys. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, in an ideal world, they make it through training camp all healthy and the best, you know, the best guys, you know, obviously Christian McCaffrey's position is solidified, but the remaining, the other three, you know, ideally they get through training camp healthy and the best, you know, uh, person puts his, you know, foot forward and they they identify themselves as being um, the best in that room. Um, Not as a result of like injury or something like that. That's what I'm really excited to see in particular with the, with the running back room. Cause I think it's strong. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I'm not, you know, it's always, I always personally, I get like that kind of thought on the back of my mind. Well, oh man, if, you know, XYZ player didn't get hurt, you know, would he would have really been better than the player that we have out there or whatever. So at any rate, I like to really, you know, hopefully get through, you know, training camp with a healthy running back room to really see how those guys are, are looking, um, through the pre and preseason for that matter. I do have a wild card question question for you uh Steph if we have some time so real quick I'll ask you since we're talking about running backs right and you know you mentioned Dalvin Cook at the beginning of the show and I'm not I'm not going the Dalvin Cook route (laughs) but it's kind of like a chess thing right so I'm curious if you know it's well known that Dalvin Cook is you know uh interest in going to the Dolphins if Dalvin Cook goes to the Dolphins that running back room might be kind of crowded over there would you consider or have any interest of uh, thinking about a reunion with any of the, you know, former Niner players that are in the backfield in, in Miami? Uh, I mean, the question is who who would be the odd man out in that scenario, right? I mean, I, I think, think it would be Jeff Wilson. I think it would be Jeff Wilson. Possibly, yeah, Jeff Wilson. I haven't looked at like a recent depth chart of theirs, but I I know they got. Their running back room is is so unnecessarily uh, deep. They have <laughs> uh, Moser, who tops the list. Then they have Jeff Wilson. They have Miles Gaskin. Yep. And then they have Devin uh, Achain. They just drafted him, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. So I believe so. So I would say Miles Gaskin is probably the odd man out there. And if I recall, he was on the team before – uh, you know, McDaniel even got there. So he's somewhat of an inherited player that probably more so on the outs than in. So he's probably the guy in which case, you know, I don't think the 49ers would really be interested in that. No, I'm with you. No, I was just curious what, what your thoughts were about that. Cause you know, Good question, in thinking, Oh no. Yeah. I feel you. Um, I really like the fact that, I mean, three-fourths of the running back room, they're all on rookie contracts, rookie deals, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so they're kind of, you know, that, that room is cost-controlled for some time. Obviously, yeah. McCaffrey's getting his money, but we're, it's not like we're, like, you know, investing a lot, you know, beyond uh, Christian McCaffrey and, and the remaining running backs and such. So, but, yeah, 
I was just curious about your thoughts about that. I saw some some talk about about uh, potentially, you know, Raheem or uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. being, um, you know, on the outs if Dobbin Cook actually lands there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I feel really good with who the Niners have um, on the team, and not to sound like super biased, I realize I am, but I I like the, the construction of the uh, the um, running back room. I do too. And I feel like with Christian McCaffrey being the head guy, I think there's some stability there. Like, you know, he's always going to be the RB one. No one's jumping him on the depth chart, right. Um, Bearing any injury, but I think like to start every season, we're riding with Sharpie. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey RB one, right. So that's nice because I feel like in the Shanahan era, we haven't had much of that. Every off season, there's a bit of a shuffle or there's a bit of a committee. So it's nice to have whatever, yeah. yeah, it's nice that there's one guy who you can kind of uh, set your set your clock to or whatever the saying is. Um, <laughs> but Chris, I, I appreciate you joining me today on this Monday. Yeah, uh, thank you. And thanks all you guys that tuned in. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Like I said, it's a slow period of the 49ers offseason, NFL offseason in general. But we're going to be doing the state of the 49ers, going through all the position groups, all the questions that we have leading up to training camp. So I'll be going live again on Thursday. Stay tuned for that. But for now, have a good rest of your Monday, people. Peace.